y'all tuned into the greatest. Peace up, A-Town. This is it. Allow me to reintroduce myself. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome back to The Conversation with Khalif. I am so excited. Well, first of all, I am Khalif. Like a leaf on a tree because... You know, everybody's falling for me. No, 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 no. I'm not vain. It just rhymes. But <laughs> shout out to all of you, my Leaf family. I love you so much for listening and loving back on me. Last week, we had an incredible episode. I know it was a lot. It was a whole lot, a whole lot. So this week, we are talking about allyship. Allyship 101. So I had to bring in somebody special. I had to bring in somebody special. So I brought in Miss Nile. Nile is a diversity, equity, and inclusion specialist. So you are in in for a treat today we are going over a variety of things now i claim myself to be an ally but do you really know what it means to be an ally well here today to dissect all of those things we have miss nye lee and i am so excited to have her here so without any further ado everyone please welcome for the first time to the conversation miss nye Lee. Hello. Hello, Thank you for having me here. It is a pleasure having you here. I'm so excited. Like, it's you. It's me. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> We're doing the thing. <laughs> you are a diversity, equity, and inclusion specialist. So can you tell the listeners what that means and what's what is that all about? So um, as of last year, I started my own business, Just Sweet Nile Consulting. And what that is, is I go into corporations, businesses, even my own firm in commercial real estate, where I talk about um, gender inclusion and diversity equity of how, um, you know, specifically allyship tips, um, uncovering our unconscious biases and cultural assumptions that we have towards the Black, queer, and trans community where all of our intersectionalities meet. Um, I'll host workshops where I can train. There's a, I have a trans one-on-one workshop and the trans 201 workshop where we're talking about pronouns and then it goes to trans visibility in the workplace so it dives deeper. And then I open myself up as a Black trans woman that is still in corporate America, because I do, my day job is commercial real estate. And so how my visibility plays a point in why I am so passionate about activism and doing this work. So I am someone that you can hire as a motivational speaker, a panel expert, or a specialist, um, where if you would want to share more about the trans experience or the queer experience or where all of my intersectionalities meet, um, I'm here to add value to those conversations and training. So I want to go ahead and dive right into today's discussion, the meet, the topic, the discussion for today, which is allyship. So the first question I want to ask you, Nile, is what do you think is one of the first steps people should take towards activism or allyship? So the thing about activism, it shows up different for different people. So my visibility is activism already in itself. Um, if you understand respectability politics and how that shows up in our culture, me just saying that I am a black trans woman outright is activism. Um, mm. If someone who is not a part of the queer community, but is wanting to be an ally accomplice um, to the trans and the queer people of our liberation, our celebration, our rights and our freedom. Um, the first steps are is first learning the language, understanding 
um, how to approach people, what the do's, the don'ts, um, what to say, what not to say, when to ask, when not to ask, how to affirm. And the first part of that is understanding any types of obstacles that you may have as to why that is not possible. So if I cannot affirm you in your pronoun, why is that? And why am I being resistant? Um, so with my DEI work, I have more of the internal workshops where I'm asking those internal why questions as because that helps people un it, it helps you deconstruct the walls that you put in place from accepting anything foreign and new, especially towards our queer and trans community. So um, I think when I said step one and then, then I said another step one, because they go in tandem that you first be able have to be able to do these things and then recognize that when you are doing these things, what reservations you have um, as to why you can't and why is it difficult? So when it comes to allyship sometimes, I feel like some people have uh, this pity, you know, like when you hear about uh, white people and they're helping poor African children, that like that whole ideology of like- White saviorism. White saviorism, thank you. And I feel like people also within um, the cishet community and sometimes even within the queer community um, have that whole pity aspect and mindset about it. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, because it's almost like, yeah, I know that you're going through this, but I don't really want to stand up because I know how that stigma will also plague against me. And that's one. And then two, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Um, so I agree. I, I mean, I, I can understand where you are. I just don't agree with it. Um, those are those same things where that pity comes into play. Or when they say, um, I, I'm not homophobic, I'm not transphobic, I have a gay cousin, or I have a gay family member, or I have a trans friend. And we hear that far too often. Um, because a video just surfaced of, of a boy being ridiculed and physically violated and abused on Instagram live. And that same notion of, see, I have a gay cousin. Yeah, but look how that gay cousin is being treated. Look how mm. it's being treated. So I don't use that. Um, I don't accept it when people give that to me as an offering to say, hey, because I'm still having a conversation to check your homophobia and transphobia when you use that. Like, I'm not interested in how you are in proximity to it because is still showing up in your language. So when I hear the people in that pseudo performative allyship, that's what it's called if we wanna call a spade a spade, um, is really diving deep is to understand why is it pseudo and why there's a conflict of, can I genuinely care about a person and humanity because I care about you and your blackness versus I'm still going to hold on to my blackness, but show that my anti-Blackness won't allow me to care for you any further than that. You're listening to The Conversation with Khalid. So what role do you think uh, white supremacy has when it comes to uh, homophobia within the Black community? Because I feel like we have so much homophobia within Black community to the point where it's like, if you are protesting a lot of people last summer were protesting the death of George Floyd uh, among with uh, Breonna Taylor and a, a few I guess were out there for Tony McDade and um, it just was I was hearing a lot of people say that they were afraid to go out and protest because they're like are you with me are we with each other so what what do you think about that 
Yeah, so that goes all the way back to historically um, the respectability politics of how the northern slaves were freed and they came down to show the southern, I mean, yeah, the newly freed southern slaves how to assimilate into white civilization. So what was deemed right and what was deemed other. Um, so that is a stream, extreme impact on white supremacy to the black culture. So you have black people teaching other black people what is wrong and what is considered not like where the man has to be the breadwinner and the wife cleans, um, that you have to go to church. And if you're not of the cloth, then you, you're a sin. So how that has bred it and deeply embedded in our culture and our civilization, as we continue to grow, that, that masculinity and that respectability politic has now deeply impacted how people show up when it comes to trans and queer people because it's now deemed as other. And the, 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 the longer it has from um, historical context to where we are now is gotten worse and worse because now more people are homophobic and transphobic and they're not even aware of how that shows up in there and how they, they uplift it. So how society is when it comes to um, the social constructs of what a man is and what a woman is, we are not able to define that because it wasn't our language. It wasn't how we wanted to define ourselves because it was defined for us. And how black people uphold that, we are not able to deconstruct it because we, as the marginalized group, we are still trying to fight that battle towards our own people that look like us. And when you're trying to piece it together, you have to start with the pieces that look alike. And when we have these conversations with other black people, we have to understand that first, hey, you're still upholding that white supremacy, that notion that, you are still homophobic and transphobic because it's been taught to us. It's been in the mainstream media, far back as however you want to go, because people always say that the trans and the queer, this is all new. No, it's not. You've seen it on Jerry Springer. You've seen it on Ricky Lake. And all the captions were, it's a man. And the depiction of the trans woman that was on, she was being, it being taunted, laughed at, fought, um, ridiculed, and everyone made jokes at her. And so those were subtle cues of how, and of, of course, on all of those um, hosts were white people. You had Jerry Springer, you had Ricky Lake, you had um, Maury, it was on Maury. Um, and then Maury even had an episode way, way, way back, long, long time ago's days, um, an episode where it was like, pick which one is a man. I remember that episode. And, and that's how that shows up in our society because that's how you deemed it as other. And it was those subtle cues of how trans people and queer people are deemed as other. And that's how that, I like to give visual representation so people can say, oh, I, I remember, I get it now. Because we can just talk scholarship and then they're like, yeah, but yeah, no, no, here's the actual reference, Jerry Springer, it's a man. And that's the caption of the entire show. Mm, mm. Interesting that you said that because until you mentioned that I, of course, I'm still doing my own unlearning of behavior. I feel like all of us, whether we're within community or outside of community, are doing a lot of unlearning of behavior and thoughts and ideologies. But until you mentioned that, I never put that together. Like even with violence that is occurring um, for uh, towards women of trans experience, like shows like Jerry Springer taught that if if you find out that this woman has a history that you have been taught to hate, that this is the way you react to it. And then you hear the ding, 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 ding. And that is has a lot to do with the ways in which 
people of trans experience experience violence in this country. So when we're talking about unlearning these types of behaviors and learning how to become an ally instead of a part of the problem, I think it's interesting to unpack how to create spaces where we can have these type of discussions, Um, which brings me to my next point of how do we create safe spaces to have these discussions where people don't feel attacked, people don't feel triggered, um, and things of that nature? How do we create safe spaces for queer people? It's extremely difficult to create a safe space and, 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 and guise it as I'm trying to educate myself on a a conversation that I have no proximity to or proximity to the people. So if I am a cishet person and I'm wanting to have a conversation around trans and queer individuals and I invite them into my area, there's no real way to make that a safe space unless you've already reached out to them and partnered with them so they can join in on the conversation to help guide the conversation so that it is deemed safe. So people that are coming in have some sort of awareness that this conversation is geared around really understanding and learning. Most times when you enter a conversation that's being had about you and you weren't privy to it, you're already armed. Um, So how I cultivate um, safe spaces, and this is me using I statements, um, one, I do my research, and then two, I reach out to people that, for those blind spots, we, we all have blind spots. So I reach out to people and if they're available, they'll join in on the conversation and I'll add them as co-hosts or panelists or moderators to show that it's not a biased conversation. It's me wanting to understand and, and here are some people that can help guide the conversation. And then when it does become unsafe, because again, you can't really monitor that because if someone comes in and has a trigger, they st- their perception is reality. So if they feel as though it's not a safe space, I who am I to say that it's not? but to be able to learn from it and then shift so that I can hear what was being given, that feedback that was being provided and move accordingly. So if you're talking about non-binary issues and pronouns, and then a non-binary person comes in and there are no binary people a part of the conversation, automatically that non-binary person is on on the defense because hmm, somebody's talking about issues and I'm listening and they don't really have the capacity. They really don't know what they're talking about. I'm on the defense. one or two things you can join the conversation and say, hey, I can add value to this. But then that, the next part, again, how provide how um, feedback is provided. What do they do? Do they say, no, I just want to continue how we have it. No, I don't trust you. No, I don't really want. Or because then that sets, again, that guise of understanding, like I stated earlier. Do you really want to understand? Because in a classroom, I can't set up um, a, a a class and wait for teachers to come in to teach me. That's not how that works Mm -hmm. to where the teachers are teaching. And then if I am wanting to host my own class, I reach out to the teachers so that they can join me because I don't have the capacity to teach this class. Um, So again, it's it's a tricky thing about how to cultivate a safe space. Um, And I think being genuine emotionally and intellectually and being transparent with your audience hey, I really am trying to understand this. I really would love for you to be a part of this conversation so that I can make sure that it does stay a safe space when it's when in fact it does not go in that direction. So what do you have to say about when people um, are creating these spaces or attempting to create these spaces and they center themselves? Like, I feel like a lot of times within 
um, cishet community, when they're talking about our community, they they speak from so much of their experience versus just listening. So I first want to say people can talk about whatever they want to talk about. They have that full autonomy. It's just what comes problematic is when they're trying to educate based on their experience, like how you're stating. Um, so my experience of this, and that's fact, and people roll with that because they generalize that this is a whole um, community of people that responded the way that you said they responded to you on your one isolated personal experience. So that's where it becomes problematic. But I feel as though people can talk about whatever they want to talk about. It's how they do it, how they conduct it, and what kind of audience they garner from it. Um, when people have shared their experiences, you automatically center yourself, period. Um, I know how I can shift conversations from it, not me, I, Nylee, being personal, to us as queer and trans people. So people are, I mean, it takes a lot of self-awareness to learn that and how to do that where I'm, I'm not trying to make this personal I'm just talking about how this impacts our community as a whole and I can share my personal experience with you to add some sense of meat to the bones but a lot of people don't know that even within our queer and trans community because if I'm talking about trans non-binary will feel entitled to come and center themselves if I'm talking about um, non-binary trans people will feel like they need to come and center themselves I can talk about um, heterosexual men, um, the queer community will come and do that and vice versa. So that's something that's across the board with people that just not having the capacity and the awareness of their language, their personal experiences, and just talking on a macro level versus the, mac the micro and how things pertain to them personally. That's something that that's consistent across the board. You're listening to The Conversation with Khalid. I want to talk about getting comfortable being uncomfortable um, with talking about certain things. Um, well, talking about allyship. I feel like a lot of the times we within our own community get triggered and we, okay, I, I feel like in the past and then sometimes the presence and futures, um, I get triggered by certain things and I just want to run from the whole conversation versus like, standing in that uncomfortable uncomfortability and just going forward so how do you suggest people go about doing that so the first piece of that is understanding your triggers and why you have them and going deep into them to all the way to the beginning of where they started so that you can clean it up that's the first piece and then knowing when you are triggered how to respond outside of that trigger. Because what happens is our defense mechanism shows up. Our representative of what we use when that trigger first occurred to protect ourselves shows up. That's our representative. So I am triggered or I'm activated. My representative is showing up. And in that moment, am I going to respond in that trigger or I'm going to stay centered, realize that I'm being triggered and respond outside of that? That's the, that, that's the, the key things that you have to work on um, with any type of growth, um, it's uncomfortable, um, shoes don't fit, you've outgrown it, getting another size, and then you have to break the new size in, it's uncomfortable, it's an uncomfortable thing. But I think the, the end goal of knowing is that, oh, you overcame that, you overcame that ability of complicit and um, safety, because that's what it is, you're, you're comfortable in the safety net. But then when it gets to something that activates 
or it triggers me, how do I respond? Because I don't, I'm, this is foreign territory, because I don't even know that what, what about this triggered me? Why it triggered me? Why did you trigger me? Because again, do, do I sound like someone that you've, you've heard before? It's so many internal why questions. And then you continue to ask why, and then ask another why. And that's where you get to the root of the issue so that you can start to clean it up. Okay, the reason why I am triggered when someone calls me sweetie is because back in the day, this person called me sweetie. And this is the, 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 the long lasting impact it had on me because of that. So let me really understand why that is. And I go, okay, I can let that go now. And then no longer will it be that much of a trigger for you. Not to say that all triggers can be healed and resolved, no. But when they show up, you know how to respond in a better way. And it takes practice. Your body is a muscle. So in order to you be able to um, overcome obstacles, it's you to strengthen that muscle. You have to work out. You have to practice. You have to strengthen it. The heart is a muscle. You have to be able to work it out, strengthen it. Ooh, I don't know if that was for anybody else, but that was for me. Okay. Now I want to know, what are some ways in which people can show up in terms of allyship, whether that be black people showing up for black queer people or white people showing up for black people or uh... queer people showing up for queer people, trans right. showing up for trans people is again, still doing that inner work. And what's the obstacle of why I can't first, that's first and foremost, you can't show up for nobody unless you've been able to show up for yourself. There's no possible way you can show up for me and give me anything that you have not given yourself. No way, shape, there's no way you could do it genuinely. Um, understanding language, that's the first part. Pronouns, get it. Like, I mean, I, I don't understand. Well, I do understand the, the hurdles of that, but when it's brought to your attention, get with it. Um, understanding the language, understanding the umbrella, understanding sexual orientation versus gender identity, understanding the different parts of a transition and that a transgender person is an un, is a umbrella term. There's, un, there's intersex, there's um, non-binary, there is um, agender. So first understanding language and then understanding any type of obstacle of why I can't understand that, that's the first part. Um, and then asking, how? Like ask a specific person, like how can I show up for you? Because what allyship looks like for me will be different from what allyship looks like for the next trans person. Um, where I am in my transition, where she is in her transition, where he is or where they are, it's different. And so that's how you learn is how can I show up for Khalid and, um, and not just the entire non-binary community because that allyship is going to shift, it's going to change. But how can I be an ally to the community is, is being able to unpack the homophobia and transphobia that impacts all of us because it shows up when, um, when a, a, a heterosexual man is well-groomed if, if he wears skinny jeans or he gets his nails or manicure, pedicure, the community will call him gay. Or if a woman, a cis woman is um, too toned or if she's too athletic or she's tall or she's too assertive, they call her a man. So if you understand that homophobia and transphobia impacts everyone, that's how you, be an, that's how you can be an ally to the actual community. That's the baseline and being able to shut it down when it happens and shutting down and diffusing inappropriate jokes and comments, speaking on trans people, like shut that you can always shut down always. Um, that's how you can start the conversation and being more in proximity to the queer community. So you know how to show up for multiple people in different ways. And that's a question that you would have to ask each person when you come into contact with them. 
and look at it from a more individual um, perspective and not, I'm going to help the entire community. Just how am I going to show up for this one person? Mm-hmm. And this one person and this one person and this one person and this one person. But if you're trying to call yourself an ally to the community, you got to know how your homophobia and, sh- and transphobia is showing up within you. I myself, as a heterosexual trans woman, I have my own transphobia. I have my own homophobia that I had to check. And I can't call myself an ally to the community unless I'm able to check that first. First, I got to be aware of it. How am I going to check it if I'm not aware? Oh, that's a word. Um, So before we go, I want to quick ask you, how do people go about amplifying the voices of queer people or marginalized groups of people? So you're marginalized in proximity to whatever the the group is, right? Like we all have our privilege in certain circles. So what happens is um, you can, it's, it's like, who who is the more marginalized group in this conversation? I think it's important that any group that is black, that is um, oppressed in our community, if they are speaking, if they are standing up, if they are doing anything to to further us all, especially as a black trans woman, freeing me frees everyone that's above me. So if if you're able to get to a point where you can listen to me and share my story or put me in positions of power or put me in positions where people can hear my story, or put me in, like I, like I stated, I, sh- I shared um, earlier that I started my business, Justine Ali Consulting, where I go into conversations and corporations and I- I'm able to um, educate and shape, like putting me in positions of power is how you amplify my voice. Sharing resources of, you know, hey, this job is hiring. Or, hey, I think there's a good fit for this position and I know who this person is and I can reach out to them for for, like sharing resources, keeping the door open. Um, If you're in a, if you're on social media, hey, I know someone that'll be great for this and reaching out to someone in our community. That's how you amplify. And that's that's a grand gesture of how to do that um, where no one is feeling like you are ostracizing or using them as a token because no one wants to feel like that either. Right. Um, quick before we go, what do you have to say to people who feel like um, the whole wait your turn idea of like right now we're focusing on this issue for black people or right now we're focusing on focusing on this group of so wait your turn. What do you have to say to people who have that mindset? That's an excuse because you can walk and chew gum at the same time. I don't have that privilege to to choose which identity that goes first. I am a black trans woman. All three of me being black, me being a woman, and then me being trans, I have to be able to fight for all three because all three are what what causes this harm against me and my identity. Just the same as a black woman when she's going for her equal rights, equal pay, um, her pro-life, pro-choice situations, she's able to fight both. The same with men, he's able to fight as, as many things that he wants to. It's just when it comes to queerness, they use it as a disguise of, oh, we don't have the capacity. We don't have the bandwidth. We don't have the intellect to, to unpack this or go deeper in this. 
um, I, that's an excuse to me. And ex I was always taught excuses were tools made for the incompetent because you can walk and chew gum at the same time. I have no choice but to talk about my liberation as a trans woman when I, my transness is what is the detriment to my society as being queer and trans in this community because people, you know, cause harm because I'm trans. And then when you talk about how that shows up with anti-Blackness, you know, there are, there are some officers that'll kill me just because I'm black. Um, and then a be being a woman is I still have to fight for equal pay and I have to fight and, and because I'm also a dark skinned black woman. So if I'm too assertive or if I'm too forthright, then I'm aggressive. I'm the angry black woman and I'm just too much to handle. Um, all of these things that I'm having to fight and dismantle where I am just trying to exist and be me and show up how I need to show up. So I don't understand how you get to choose and prioritize because of your comfort when I'm trying to choose and prioritize for my safety. So it's an excuse for me. Okay, period. And on that note, I think that is a great place to end today's episode. First of all, I just want to say Thank you so much for being here today on the conversation. I'm so happy that I could get you here and we can have a conversation. We can conversate. Oh, that's not a word. Yes, uh, it is. It's a part of the And that's how language goes. What? Been introduced. You can Google it. Conversate is a word. So I thought I was converse. It is converse. Conversate is a word too. So is bootylicious. What? Mm -hmm. Google her. Are you for, for serious or for fake? I'm for serious. I'm oh my goodness. See, that's the way I normally close out the show. I was like, conversation is not a word. Oh my goodness, look at me being a terrible person. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> but um, thank you for real for coming on the show. Um, if you can just give everyone your, uh, let's see, your your social media and also your cash app because, you know, hey the girls. Period. Okay. So you can find me, my my handle, my social media handle is consistent. It's just Sweet Nile um, on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse. I will spell that. It is J-E-S-U-I-S-N-I-I-L-E-E. -E. It is French for I am Nile, just Sweet Nile. One word all together. Um, and my cash app is dollar sign Nile Cyrus, N-I-I-L-E-E-C-Y-R-U-S. A pun on Miley Cyrus, so I did Miley Cyrus, just so people can pronounce it correctly. Well, that is it for Allyship 101 right here on The Conversation with Khalif. I am so grateful to each and every one of you, my listeners, my Leaf family, for tuning in this week and every week. But make sure you keep the conversation going by following me on all of my social media platforms. Well, just two. They, them, Khalif on Twitter. That's they, them, K-A-L-E-A-F. And follow me on Instagram at The Conversation Podcast. That's The Conversation, spelled with a K instead of a C, podcast. I will see you next week. Bye-bye.